Welcome to the Riverwood Chapel podcast. We're so excited you're here. Please check out our other content and video uploads at riverwoodchapel.org. Thank you. Morning, Riverwood. I'm glad you are here to join us. Who's excited for a brand new year? Okay, some people, I could tell, all right. So how many have made some kind of New Year's resolution? How many of you have done something formal to say, I have made a resolution? Anyone? 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 Wow. Statistically, 41% of us have made a resolution. I see about 2% of the people have made a resolution in this room. Many times we resolve to eat better, we resolve we're going to lose a few pounds, we resolve to learn a new language, or resolving to start a new hobby, resolving to maybe find a new NFL team to follow, I I don't know. But all these things of resolution, like why do we do that? Because when we turn the calendar into a brand new year, everything feels new. It feels new. Like, yes, this is a time of change, a new time on the calendar. We're swipping to a new year. Everything feels brand new. And here at Riverwood, we want to understand the newness of a new year to begin a brand new journey through a book of the Bible that many times people may just kind of overlook and may not spend much time with. And so for the next... 21 weeks, we are going to wrestle with an Old Testament prophet. His name is Jeremiah. Jeremiah, and the title of this whole series of what we're going to do here on Sunday mornings is the mission of God. The mission of God. And the subtitle of that is Hope for Broken People. The mission of God, hope for broken people. That's where Jeremiah is going to speak. Now, what is the mission of God? Let's talk about that for a moment. Let me make it real easy. If you are reading the Bible from cover to cover, here is the mission. I'll give it, I'm going to give it to you. It starts in Genesis chapter 1 with a brand new earth. It ends in Revelation chapter 2. 21 with a brand new earth. We are living in between the new earth of Genesis 1 and the new earth of Revelation 21. And that in between time, God, our God, is on mission. But what's he on mission to do? He's on mission to redeem and restore his creation. From the brokenness of Genesis chapter 3 all the way until the very end. That is his mission. He is on mission to restore and redeem his creation. And that includes people. That includes you and me. And so Jeremiah is going to speak into a very unique sliver of time. He's going to give us something that we can hear, not just something that happened 2,700 years ago, but something we can hear from Jeremiah that will speak to us in the here and now of our 2022 lives. And that is why we are gathering together to hear from him. What is the story? What is the mission? How do we join him? All of these questions. And so as we begin a brand new journey 
Uh, many times we lean into the Bible Project people to give us a little background information. So if you like some background coming at you at a very fast pace for the next minute and a half, let's watch a portion of this video together of Jeremiah. The book of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was an Israelite priest who lived and worked in Jerusalem during the final decades of the kingdom of southern Judah. He was called as a prophet to warn Israel about the severe consequences of breaking their covenant with God through their idolatry and injustice, and he even predicted that the empire of Babylon would come as God's servant to bring this judgment on Israel by destroying Jerusalem taking the people into exile. And sadly, his words became reality. Jeremiah lived through the siege and destruction of Jerusalem and witnessed the exile personally. Now, this book came into existence in a really interesting way. Chapter 36 tells us that after 20 years of Jeremiah's preaching in Jerusalem, God called him to collect all of his sermons and poems and essays and commit them to writing, which Jeremiah did by employing a scribe named Baruch, who wrote down and compiled all of this material into a scroll. Now, Baruch also gathered lots of stories about Jeremiah, and he linked all the pieces together. And so this is why the book reads like an anthology, a collection of collections. It's all been arranged to present this prophet as a messenger of God's justice and grace. So the book begins with God calling Jeremiah to be a prophet, and he's given a dual vocation. He will be a prophet to Israel, but also to the nations, and his words will both uproot and tear down, but also plant and build up. In other words, he's going to accuse Israel and warn them of God's coming judgment, but he also has a message of hope for the future. All right, there's a lot of information there, and there's a lot more you can watch as well if you go online and search that out. Jeremiah. And so also to help us in this journey together, there's going to be a couple of tools that we're going to have. One of them is forthcoming. I know many times we have journals with the scriptures. And they will be here next week in the, in the journey of working with publishers and permissions and printers. It'll be here. It's coming. But also, we have produced these bookmarks of where we will be. They're in the back. They're on the chairs around you. Um, this is exactly where we will be from week to week. And as you look at it, you're like, wow, we're going to be in Jeremiah until May 29th. Yes, that's exciting. All right, on the back side is also this timeline. This timeline is really interesting. It basically starts at the very beginning of the kingdom when it was united. If you know Bible history, there was a time when the kings were together and there was one nation. I'm talking people like David, Solomon. Now, there became a time where it was then split. There was a northern kingdom called Israel and a southern kingdom called Judah. The northern kingdom was taken over by Assyrians in 722 BC. The southern kingdom lasted a bit longer until 586, until uh, the Babylonians came. And so if that looks vaguely familiar, we went through this same timeline this past summer when we were walking through minor prophets. And on that bottom line there, we filled it with lots of minor prophets of when they spoke. Now that is filled with kings. These are the kings. These are the people who ruled in the southern kingdom and their times. And then also you see the time of Jeremiah. 627, he began his ministry uh, as a prophet, extending into the time of exile. So as we're reading and you, you see like these names, you can refer and be like, oh yeah, that's when that 
took place. So that bookmark is for you. Keep that in your Bible as you are reading along. All right, so we have all of our tools. We have all the things that we're ready to explore. But here's one last thing I want to put before you, and it is this picture. As we begin our journey, does anybody recognize this? Where is this? Anyone know? Sistine Chapel. Bing, bing, bing. We have a winner over here. Sistine Chapel. But I would tell you, this is not the feature piece in the Sistine Chapel. Who's been to the Sistine Chapel? I have not. People have been there. Okay, good. This is off into the corner. This is Michelangelo's depiction of Jeremiah. And what I want you to do is just see it. Because it is going to capture the, the feel of this book. Notice what he has here. Somebody who is thinking to themselves, my goodness, what is going on? There's dejection. As Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, somebody who has probably expended a a lot of tears. Yet someone who has been walking faithfully with God. That is the feel of what we are going to enter into for the next 20 weeks. Kind of put that in the back of your mind. Jeremiah is going to have some dark moments in the midst of hope. Now we're excited, right? Well, let's open up God's word. This is the exciting part. What what does God's word actually say? So if you have your Bible with you, let's examine it together. If you don't, it'll be on the screen Uh, Next week, we'll have some journals for you. But until then, let's begin. Chapter 1, verse 1. This is how it starts. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now, much of this came out in the video, but also in the timeline. But let's just go and just sift through these details. I call this section the setting of God's mission. Like, what is the setting, very specific, what's happening here? Let's make some observations. The first is that Jeremiah is the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests. Here's the story. Jeremiah's father was in the the priest business. That's what his profession was. And there's really, there's nothing really that notable. Nothing that exciting. Next, they lived in Anathoth. It's, it's a small village town just north of Jerusalem where priests live. Small village. It's really not that notable. But there's nothing really that exciting. All right, well, the third detail. The next are all of these government rulers. Four of them, Amon, Josiah, Jehoiakim, Zedekiah, 
And you can see them on the, the timeline. These are the kings of Judah in the southern kingdom that Jeremiah happens just to find himself in the midst of. There's really nothing that notable. What I love about the setting of this so far is that this is real history. In case at times you pick up the Bible and you think you're reading fairy tale, you're actually reading history. This is, these are factual things that are happening. And in the midst of that, something extraordinary is happening. The, the extraordinary part is this. God speaks to Jeremiah. It says, the word of the Lord came to him. The Lord, Yahweh, the one who is all the way in Genesis, that one came and he speaks to Jeremiah. And so here's what's really extraordinary, that God wants to use ordinary, average people for his extraordinary mission. Let me say that again. God wants to do, use average, ordinary, not so notable things, kinds of people to do his mission, which is extraordinary. Does that describe anybody else in the room? Oh, well, you're offended, right? What, we're not notable people? We're really not. We're average, ordinary kinds of people as well. There's so many things that we're just like Jeremiah in. We have a heritage where we all came from. We have fathers who had professions. My dad was an engineer. Whoop-de-doo, right? I mean, we, we live in Northeast Ohio, which is extraordinary, by the way. And, and I guess maybe it's not. It's okay. We live with mayors and presidents, and we could list them all. And it, it, it's just who we are. And in the same way Jeremiah was chosen for God's ongoing mission, he invites us too to be a part of his ongoing mission. We get to join him. I mean, Jeremiah was living in 700 BC. We're living in 2022. But he's using average, ordinary people to carry out his extraordinary mission. And that should be exciting. That he wants to use you. Well, as we keep going on, the next kind of question is, where did this all come from? Like, what is the origin of this mission anyways? I mean, did it start in Anathoth when God came to Jeremiah? Let's look at the text. Notice what it says in verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Let's pause there a second. This sounds vaguely familiar to something else that maybe we've stumbled upon in the scriptures. David, 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 Psalm 139. Listen to these words. David would cry out, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. As an aside... 
it should be no surprise to us that our God cares deeply about life. And not just life outside of the womb on your birthday. He cares passionately about life before. There's so many verses that speak to the passion of our God. In our own country, it should grieve us that there are a half million abortions taking place. I mean, the numbers are coming down, but it's still something that it should grieve our hearts. Life is precious. David would say, in the, the womb we were formed, he would knit us together. Jeremiah says, even before that, even before the forming in the womb, I knew you. Wow. This, this mission that we are on. And so for Jeremiah, it's, it's not as if God was sorting through all the resumes of all the people who were living at that time and said, okay, Jeremiah, I think you're the best one. No, no, no. Allow this to sink in. Before he formed Jeremiah in the womb, he knew him. Before he was even born, he was picked for this mission. He was picked for this mission before the foundations of the world. You see, God, before the foundations of the world, has, has picked in every era of time whom he is using for his greater story of mission. And the same is true with you and me. Before... I formed you in the womb. I knew you is true of you, of you, and of me. God knew me. God loved me. He loved you. He knew you. He cared for all of us. And we are special to him. We are made in his likeness. We're image bearers of God. And so it's not like we were, we were born for this. You know how sometimes people say, I was born to do this. I think there's an even better phrase. Before I was formed, I was ordained for this. I can see the bumper stickers now, right? Before I was formed, I was ordained for this. But that's the truth of it. That is the truth. Which then begs the next question. Ordained for what? What exactly is, does this mission entail? And so with this kind of setting, with this kind of origin, God puts a word in there to give Jeremiah a little sneak peek of what really it's going to look like for him. Well, Jeremiah, what, I, what, do you call, what, do you, what am I being called to? It's right there in the text. I am calling you to be a prophet. Wait a second. A prophet? What was a prophet in this era? Well, a prophet was somebody in the Old Testament who was the very mouthpiece of God. God would visit a prophet and say, I need you to say this to the people. I need you to display this. I need you to do this, and you will. And so when a prophet went before the people, many times they began by saying, Thus saith the Lord, I am speaking for Yahweh. Okay, let's hear it. And then you'd say it. That's what a prophet was. And so God chose to move his mission. Remember his mission from new earth 
the very first earth to the last new earth. In, in this era, he is using prophets to move his mission forward. I appointed you to be a prophet to the, and it's, in, it's interesting right here. He says nations. We're going to come back to that. But nations, not just the nation, but nations. Now, for Jeremiah, I'm guessing he heard the word prophet and he now started thinking, oh man, not me too. See, he is at the very tail end of the prophets. He probably had heard or, or knew Obadiah and Joel, Isaiah and Micah, Nahum and Zephaniah, Daniel and Ezekiel. Those who were the mouthpiece of God before him. And often in moments of great difficulty, thus saith the Lord, oh yeah, get over here. And it wasn't something that was easy. So Jeremiah is the prophet for the nations. It's said that way because it's, he comes at the very end. And so if you kind of put this story on pause for a moment, you can go from the very beginning, from Genesis, and as you work through the Old Testament, Jeremiah is near the end. I mean, this is the end of the story. And he's telling people, turn, turn to Yahweh. See, everybody in this Old Testament era was telling everyone about the upcoming Messiah. See, it's always been about faith. In the Old Testament, it's always been about faith. Faith looking forward to the one who was coming. And Jeremiah was saying, he's coming, he's coming, it's soon. And then, in the years of 400 B.C., 300, 200, 100, these years of silence, there was nothing happening. And then it happened. He came. Jesus Christ came. It was true. All the prophets were pointing towards this moment, and Jesus came. Now think about this. Now everyone who lives past that moment is now, by faith, declaring that it happened. By faith, we believe he lived, he died, and he rose again. See, that is God's ongoing mission He's using his son, Jesus Christ, as the centerpiece of his restoring and redeeming all of earth and all of the broken people. It's amazing. And that's why when Jesus was on earth in this short amount of time he was here, he said, oh, by the way, here's the mission. Go. Go, notice what it says. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all, notice the word, nations. Wait, I've heard that before. Oh, yeah, Jeremiah was saying, I'm the prophet to the nations. And now Jesus is saying, go, go. The mission is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's the story. That's the mission. Let's pause here for a moment. Do you, do you know that story, that this one that is by faith? This is really important 
Because to be someone who is on mission with God, you have to know his story. You have to come and walk with him by faith. See, we don't walk by our good works and going to church once in a while and singing some songs here and there and checking in. And, no, by faith, we come and we say, I need help. See, every person needs to say, I need help. I'm broken. I need help. And the only help that I can find is in the one who can provide it, Jesus Christ. The little booklet's in front of you called The Story. It tells that story of faith. My prayer is that you would enter into that kind of relationship with Jesus Christ to realize that you are in need of a Savior. All right, so let's continue in the story. What will be our response to God's mission? If we enter in and we say, count me in, what does that look like? What does it mean to be on mission with him? What should our response be? Well, before we ask that question to ourselves, let's see what Jeremiah's answer was. Verse 6, this is what Jeremiah said. Then I said, Yahweh, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Now, let's pause there for a second. That sounds vaguely familiar. Somebody has used this before. He's copying this material, right? Moses! Moses said the same thing. I'm not good with the words thing. What did God do? He said, oh, by the way, uh, Aaron, you're going to be the words guy. Join him in that. And so maybe Jeremiah is thinking, God's going to provide a words guy for me. Let's continue. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. One commentator I was reading, he was saying, maybe let's not see this as um, an excuse, but maybe a better description of these words that Jeremiah puts forth is maybe a, a wrong assumption. It goes something like this. Hey, God, I am just a young boy here. I'm really inexperienced. I really don't think I'm the right person for the job. There's a lot more qualified people, namely my dad. He's a priest. Have you checked him out? I mean, you should probably go and get someone who's more equipped for this moment. I don't think I am. I'm really not that notable. I come from a no-name place. Uh, So you probably want somebody else, right? And so Jeremiah is making the assumption that God has higher standards of who he wants to use to accomplish his mission. And in our world, that makes total sense. You gather all the resumes, you see who's the most qualified, and you pick that person. But what does God say to people who think that they're not that notable, who don't think they're worthy, who don't think they're, they're ready? You know what he says to those kinds of people? Perfect! That's who I'm looking for. I'm looking for people who are humble, who are broken, 
so that I can show my greatness through you. I'm looking for people who are poor in spirit so that I can show the riches of my majesty. I'm looking for people who are, who are downtrodden and humble, no-namers, to be the instruments of my glory. And so maybe we too have been making the same mistake that Jeremiah has been making. See, many times in church we get to this moment of who's going to join the mission? Who wants to be a part of what God is doing? And we think to ourselves, oh my goodness, um, there's the pastor over there. I don't have enough experience. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that. I haven't been around long enough. I need to get into another Bible study. It's going to be my fifth one, but I need more. You don't need another one. You need to get into the game. If we were using the metaphor of football, God doesn't need more people on the sidelines looking at all of the plays and plays and plays and plays. He needs people to actually be in the game. You are uniquely qualified to enter into his mission. And that's good news. He's not looking for people who have been to seminary for a zillion years. He's not looking for people who have every book of the Bible memorized. He's not, he's not looking for that. Do you know what he's looking for? He's looking for people who are willing. Who are willing. Who are willing to say, I'm in. I'm in. I'm willing to give of my time. I'm willing to give of my stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold my stuff with open hands. Use it for your mission. Use my time for your mission. Use my relationships. Use, use whatever I have. It's yours. There's something bigger happening. And it's not our little neck of the woods of happiness. It is his mission of restoring and redeeming his creation. That's what he's looking for. People who are willing, who realize that they have a lot to enter into the game with. Are you willing to be that kind of person? Because if you are, there are some verses here we need to really, we need, we need these verses that are coming up. And so as I read this, this is, you know, the first is what is our response? Now we're going to read what is God's response to those who are willing to be on mission with him? And these will be encouraging because I want you to notice what you do versus what God does. All right, verse 9. Then the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. The words are there. Just open your mouth, get yourself to the place, and go. You see, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And then jump down to verse 17. He continues to speak with Jeremiah. But you, Jeremiah, here's what you need to do. Dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not, do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. Verse 18. And I, Yahweh, here's what I'm going to do. 
Behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. And they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. And then these these, these, these words, these are, these are the life-giving words we're going to need for this. For I am with you. I am with you. The one who's going to fortify you. The one who's going to give you the strength to do it. I am with you, declares the Lord to deliver you. He's the one who's going to do the, the heavy lifting. He's going to make us the iron pillars, the bronze walls. I'm strengthening you. And it's, it's discouraging. Notice the, the, the Sistine Chapel. Jeremiah is going to be like, are you kidding me? These people are doing this? And you want me to say that? I am with you. My mission is going forward. My mission will not be thwarted. The mission of God will march on. Who's in? Who's in? I'm willing. I'm willing. There's the start. I'm willing. And so there's going to be much more to unpack. Many more chapters of how this story will go. Much like there are many more chapters in the story of your life and the story of the life of this church. What is God doing on mission with people right here in this moment, a very specific time, people who aren't that notable to do the things of God's mission? What does he have for us? It's discouraging at times, I'll tell you that. You come to a, a, a place like this and in a college town, it's like, how is this ever going to happen? I can tell you I don't know, but I want to be willing. We need to be the people who are willing to step out in this brand new year to see what he has for us. Will people hate us? <laughs> Probably. Will people think, why are you doing that? Probably. Will people wonder? Yeah. But it will cause them to wonder of the one who is on mission. May that be the beginning we need in this new year. Let me pray for us. Dear God, we come to you, and we are people who are broken. That's our starting point. In desperate need of hope. And we can only find that in a relationship with you, the one who is the hope of the world through your son. Your, your scriptures are clear. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one is going to find hope outside of him, whether it was 2,700 years ago or whether it's in the year 2022. And so we, we, we claim Jesus Christ as the one in whom we rest in for our greatest problem of sin and separation. And past that, we, we pray for your mission right here in Kent, Ohio. Oh, there's so much work to be done. 
The harvest is plenty. Those who are here to harvest it, the workers at times are few. May we step out as people who are willing in this new year to do the things you've called us to in our schools, in our homes, in our workplaces. May we be those kinds of people of hope as well. Thank you. Impress these things on our hearts this morning. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.